All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Hey, what's up, guys? It's JK3. We are joined today by Mike K, Jags beat writer for First Coast News, co-host of Teal and Black Blitz on Sports Radio 930 with our friend Mike DiRocco and an overall media fan favorite. And welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We really, really appreciate it. Just to kind of start out, um, we were uh, kind of chatting before we got started that uh, we were curious about your policy when it comes to Twitter confrontation because uh, it appeared today that you had a, a good old troll that was uh, trying to uh, start some stuff with you and you handled it quite well. I like the sarcasm. Well, you know, I think you've always got to be very approachable to your audience because your audience is much like you. You're a fan that got really lucky and who might be able to write and report, but you also have people that really like to spew opinion. That's either rude or, uh, incorrect. And, and I'm a big believer. If you're, you better make sure you're correct. If you're going to correct somebody who does something for a living, you know what I mean? Like I don't go up, I don't go up to a guy, a, a, a cook and tell him how to make, you know, lobster bisque like that's not really you know what I mean like that's not a thing so I think it's about respecting other people and you know that's just kind of how I was brought up I'm from New Jersey so I'm naturally confrontational anybody in the writer's room will tell you that uh sometimes awkwardly confrontational but uh you know I want to have a good time on social and I also think sometimes people need to see you know what the crazy stuff we we get from interactions I mean you know there there are other people online that I'm sure get lambasted all the time and just have a policy where they don't interact, but uh, I prefer to have fun. Yeah, man, it, it, it's so cool to see somebody have like a, a, a sense of humor like you because sometimes some of the writers come back with like just some lame ass responses and then, you know, like you said, come correct if you're going to come for me, you know, so uh, it, it's, it's pretty good to, you know, see uh, a fan favorite actually get into it with other, other fans, not necessarily get into it, but, you know, clap back one time, uh, you know, on Twitter. It, it's, it's pretty funny to see. Oh, well, well, I appreciate you guys saying that. <laughs> Well, one thing with us is like we're obviously we're not anywhere near the level that you are in terms of followers and everything. But I am waiting for that day when we hit that threshold. Where we oh, God, I cannot like, wait. I cannot well, wait. Yeah, JK3 is kind of our aggressor. I'm like the type that's going to be like, well, I apologize for your experience today, you know, and then taking the total like customer service approach from like the professional world. And he really is eager to fight with people. So, <laughs> um, so if we have potential trolls out there that want to, uh, quote, come at us, uh, Feel free, because I mean, at this point, that would really make it seem like we arrived. So I'm actually kind of excited about that. Um, so, all right. So we, and again, definitely follow Mike on Twitter. He's a great follow. We'll put his Twitter handle in our uh, podcast description. Highly unlikely anybody listening to this isn't already following you, just in case they aren't, uh, be sure to give him a follow. Um, you had an article entitled First, or uh, excuse me, Five Post Trade Deadline Thoughts on the Jaguars. Um, particularly mentioning Eli Manning, which I thought was interesting. And we'll link that up in the podcast description as well. So the trade deadline's passed. Do you think that the Jags, just in kind of the, the you know, info that you have and, and sort of your opinion as well, do you think that they were ever in any serious talks to acquire a quarterback? Absolutely not. No. Um, from everything I heard, it was not about quarterback. It was, you know, they wanted to get better around the quarterback, which, I mean, I think it's become very clear that, You know, Blake's going to ride or die this season with the Jaguars. It's just what it is. You know, I've gone on record as saying I didn't think Blake would make it past uh, week eight as a starting quarterback. 
Uh, he's proven me wrong, partially because he's had the ability to hand off to Leonard Fournette, who's exceeded everyone's expectations. If anybody told you that Leonard Fournette was going to have the output that he did that early on, they were either just making it up as an opinion or that it was wishful thinking. He has really stabilized this offense to a point where it's actually passable, uh, not to be confused with passing, good passing offense. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's about surrounding Blake, because if you're really bought into him and you really are dead set on trying to figure out what he is, which I think a lot of people have made up their opinion on him, um, the front office has not. So they want to keep seeing what they've got out of them. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. I mean, I saw one thing I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, there were a couple people that tweeted and I think maybe it was maybe like one or two national people about at least the possibility that we would have looked at a guy like Kirk Cousins. And I think Alan Robinson even liked a tweet that said that next season, if we can pick him up in the off season, that we would be a Super Bowl favorite or something. And I'm always really curious about players that do that because you know it's going to get a lot of attention so it seems kind of crazy to me and Jalen Ramsey's been a, a frequent guy that, that does that sort of thing but do you think any of the guys that were at least rumored like Cousins um, or whomever else are guys potentially in the offseason that we might look at I think Cousins makes a lot of sense um, if you look at what he's been able to do with inconsistent weapons in Washington inconsistent running game um, they've franchise tagged him a couple of times Washington just kind of seems like that dude that dates a really attractive girl for a really long time, gets his props up, and then once you know all of his friends move away, he's going to dump her and try to find somebody <laughs> new. Um, right. You know what I mean? So it's it's to me, Cousins makes a lot of sense for Hackett's offense uh, now that Jimmy Garoppolo's in San Francisco probably puts a, a damper on those chances that he goes there. I think the Garoppolo trade helps the Jaguars significantly more than taking away an option. It means cousins is, is unless he gets franchise tagged, which would be a lot of money for the Redskins to spend. He is fair game anywhere. I think it evens the playing field. Yeah. You have Cleveland with a lot of money, but the only team that has more money than the Jaguars is the 49ers and Cleveland. So yeah, I mean, I think you could throw whatever you want at Kirk Cousins. What I would do, presumably, is if he made it to free agency, I'd sign him to a three-year, $75 million deal. I'd guarantee the first two years, and he could hit free agency again by the time he's 33, which in quarterback years is being like 27. So right. he could cash in again. I, I think the Jaguars are a great destination for Kirk Cousins. Um, I, you know, and I, you couldn't have said it even better, man. I, I think it's just one of those things where if, if it makes sense and the timing is right, which it sounds like it will be, uh, you know, definitely go, go after, you know, someone who's proven. I'm not really a big fan of, uh, teams signing, you know, these players that I have, have had like maybe four or five games and then all of a sudden they get the big co contract, you know, like what happened in Denver, what happened in, uh, you know, Houston as well. And the same thing with Garoppolo. I mean, he, when he, played those, what, six games for New England, he couldn't even make it past all those those games. I mean, Brissett got some playing time also. So definitely, uh, 
you know, glad that he's off the table so we don't have to hear a lot of that clamor. But um, you wrote a pretty pretty good article about uh, Eli Manning and uh, had an argument against signing him. And I think you and I are the only people in Jacksonville that were against signing Eli Manning, you know, with him being a veteran quarterback. Can you explain a little bit more in depth of, you know, exactly why we're the two smartest people in Jacksonville? Well, I mean, I don't know if my wife would agree. With, I don't know if my wife would agree with you, but um, Eli is somebody who I've obviously watched very closely. I used to basically do what you guys are doing, covering the Eagles uh, and blogging about the Eagles and, and following them very heavily. So I got to watch a lot of Eli. Eli has regressed significantly over the last two years. If you look at the way he is throwing the football, it's not just the offensive line. He has regressed. His skills are not what they used to be. Um, he's been straight up terrible this year. He's had one good game. It was against Philly. They lost on a 50, a 61-yard field goal. But outside of that, completion percentage, you can say what you want. He's playing a lot of prevent defense. The yards per attempt are awful. Uh, they're lower than Blake's. He's only got one less. Well, he's got one more touchdown, one less in the same interception uh, numbers. I, I just I don't think to pay a guy who's in his late 30s and you're going to have him probably two more years doesn't make sense to invest a second or third round pick, especially when he's giving you similar numbers to Blake. I mean, exactly. Why why stay in the same, make a lateral, you know, lateral change, uh, especially when there's some other potential coming out? Um, definitely get a proven QB. Definitely get, uh, you know, maybe building the draft. But I agree 110% with you about uh, Eli. Uh, switching gears, gears really quick, uh, as we go into, you know, the trade deadline, we did go ahead and get uh, Marcel Darius. Great defensive lineman. Um, that's just going to increase, you know, our defensive line and make it even more better than what it is. It increase the overall defense. Um, we've got a bunch of studs on our defensive line right now. So how do you add one more to that? And like, what do you think his playing time and role will be? Well, I think early on it might surprise people, but I think he's going to be a rotational piece just till he can get his feet wet. Um, he can play three technique. He can play one technique. He can even play five technique if they make the big end or what used to be the big end, they move it in from the six technique to the five technique lining up against the right tackle. Um, this dude's really good. And you don't see a guy like that get traded mid season without having his lumps, obviously off the field, the suspensions, uh, this contract is humongous. And, and I alluded to it being um, a bad look for Malik initially, which I think I was one of the few people that said that, um, and it's because you, you're, you've got two 90-plus million-dollar guys who play relatively similar positions. Darius can, is an actual former All-Pro and Pro Bowler, can rush the passer and can stop the run. Malik hasn't been able to get to that point in his career yet, and he's already making that money. Um, Malik is not a good run defender. Um, Avery, you sign knowing that he is not a natural nose tackle. Uh, in a 4-3 or 3-4. He's actually more of a big, oversized three technique. So, you know, to me, it's a bad look for both of them, but I think Darius is in prove-it mode over the next two years. Maybe he takes over for Malik, maybe he takes over for Avery, but in as as all three guys are in, you rotate them. I kind of had a curious question, whether you've heard anything about uh, kind of how this got hashed out, but some of the quotes I had read from Darius back when Marone had left Buffalo initially, those are some pretty uh, 
some pretty crazy and and uh, harsh critiques of Marone when he was on the way out. So, I mean, was that something that was you know either in your opinion or from what you heard? maybe a, an issue in terms of acquiring him? Did they have to work through that a little bit? Was there a conversation to be had when he first joined the team? I mean, how do you think that plays out? Well, as far as I've heard, it's what Marone said in the press conference. He was asked if he felt comfortable with Darius, and he said yes. And Marone's a guy who I think got a, a bad rap in Buffalo, but to, to this point, at least working with him now, I, I think he's got pretty thick skin. Um, and I think he just wants to win. He knows that this is a really good opportunity for him to to cement a legacy and, and potentially lead to success down the road. I mean, I think a lot of people were sleeping on him and sleeping on this franchise and this roster. Um, there are some people, including myself, that thought this was a 6-10 and 10 team uh, up until week 6. I, I still felt that way. Um and what he's done is is up the up the bar, up up the anticipation. I think he really wants to make the playoffs in his first year. I mean, that's always been what he said, and they're really pushing for it. So I think if a guy can help him out and can stop the run, which he's an old school style football coach, that's what he wants first. Then I think he's he's going to make bygones be bygones. Well, there's a lot of excitement and hype, especially from myself personally, with Dee Westbrook coming back uh, from his injury. Uh, a lot of the fans were kind of dismissive about making any moves in the trade deadline to get a receiver just because of the fact that we had Westbrook. Um, what kind of impact do you foresee him actually making this season? And is he getting, and I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit in your writing, but is he getting maybe pumped up a little bit more than he should be? So I'll answer that last question first. Yeah, he is getting a little too much hype. Remember, this guy is coming off a core injury, a core and and which is basically a hernia injury. If you've ever had a hernia or ever had surgery, whether you're a pro athlete or not, it does take some recovery time. He's obviously recovered. But when you've been out as long as he has and not being able to be in football shape, it can take a while. So let's say it takes two to three games for him to kind of settle into live action, you know, whatever. He also didn't face top corners and press. If I'm if I'm an opposing defense, I press a guy who's six foot. 178 pounds every single time. The guy's not getting off the line as far as I'm concerned. If I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm a defensive back, he's covering him. So that you got you to gotta weigh. I mean, could they use him on gadget plays or whatever early on? Sure. But you want a guy who's going to take off the top of the defense. That's what everybody thinks he's going to do. You've got to earn that respect first. That's a thing in the league. He's got to have a couple of plays of over 20 yards before they even start considering that. Deshaun Jackson as a rookie never really faced you know, double coverage the way that people are envisioning D.D. Westbrook. It wasn't until, like, the playoff run that they had. So I think we just need to scale it back a little bit. He's extremely talented, but we also have to remember he produced all those yarded yards and, and catches in the preseason against some guys that aren't even in the league anymore. They're not even in Canada. So, <laughs> I mean, some of them are working at Verizon. I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's like... Um, but, like, that's that's the thing. If you look at the rookies in the league right now, only two have surpassed 300 yards so far through seven games. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a 197-yard game. That's the only reason why he's got 434 yards on the season. Um, before that, he was averaging about 37 yards a game. And then you got uh, Cooper Cup, where he's just – found a niche with Goff, and he's only got like 311 yards. So if you say eight or nine games is the sample size, 
and Didi gets 300 yards and two touchdowns, are you going to say that he didn't meet expectations? I know he was a Blitnikoff Award winner, and he was a great wide receiver, and off-the-field issues and his size caused him problems, but you know what I mean? No, I get what you're saying, and that's actually a really good parlay uh, to uh, our advertiser. Down by the Bank, sponsored by Verizon Wireless. Um, get your plan uh, today. Great coverage. Um, no, I'm just kidding, but yeah, no, that's... Uh, and by the way, Verizon, very respectable career. Don't of worry, guys, if you work at Verizon. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> hating on anybody. They're not pro <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is like, I think people are still remembering how he performed in preseason. And I think everybody's so eager to to see that same production, even myself that, uh, you know, just like you said, I think we're maybe pumping it up a little bit more than we should be. But um, nonetheless, it'll be uh, exciting to, to see him come back because I think eventually he could develop into a pretty good weapon. Um but uh, it's just a matter of seeing him in the regular season and what he can do against starting uh, defenders that I think we're all kind of curious about more than anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, uh, I, and I agree, man. I mean, he, of course, Bolitnikoff Award winner, same thing as Marquise Lee, but he wasn't playing that cream of the crop. So, um, you know, switching gears really quick, going to now that the bye week's over with, hopefully we'll have football here on out through maybe uh, February, if we're lucky. The Jags go deep into the playoffs. Get, Super, get Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl, yeah. Um, so we got the Bengals coming up. Uh, how do you think the uh, the run defense uh, will, will do, especially with, uh, you know, Darius coming in? I mean, they've got a pretty good rushing attack with uh, Bernard, Mixon, um, you know, as well, and Hill. Jeremy Hill also. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what do you think that, that the one, the, the run defense, you think this will be an opportunity to kind of get back on track and kind of reset? And number two, the pass defense has always been there all year. Um, we've had Jalen out in the national media, you know, just saying we've got the best secondary. We got Telvin, his extension as well in the in the uh in in the bye week so do you think this pass defense right now is or overall defense is a coming out party against the Bengals with the national attention I mean I think I think it's a good look for them um if you look at the the run the run offense of the Bengals they're only averaging 3.2 yards per carry uh if you look at Jeremy Hill Jeremy Hill starting games but he's got like 37 carries like he's not he's he's starting out of kind of spite um, Mixon's the guy to worry about, but he's only averaging three yards a carry. So that offensive line has not done a very good job blocking up front. Um, teams are stacking the box against them because they know how good the Bengals are. And if you look at the Jaguars, their natural front is really not a 4-3, but actually a 4-4 because they have Barry Church in the box all, almost all the time. It's the natural spot for that strong safety position. So I think they're built to stop the run in this case. I think Darius was a great addition. Darius is... Sorry, Darius. Darius's only sack on the season came against the Bengals earlier this year. Um, faked an outside move, went inside, got the sack on Dalton. Um, from the passing game perspective, yeah, this offensive line is going to struggle to stop this pass rush. Yeah. They've they've allowed 22 sacks already this season, and I think Calais is going to have a very big game. I also think Yannick Ngakwe could could do some damage as well yeah i think campbell is probably gonna have like 50 sacks this season that's kind of what i'm predicting at this point so a uh, double what is the record like 25 it's, right? uh 22.5 like i believe or 23 or 23.5 it's one of the two okay yeah um i'm obviously kidding about 50 but i don't know i mean i think he might have a shot at that which would be super exciting i mean just just to, again we're already kind of getting like more national attention than we've got in, in many, many years, which uh, I'm already super 
super pumped about. But to, to have as many sacks as he does through this many games in the season, I mean, I don't know. I could kind of I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction or anything on that, but I could kind of see that happening personally. I mean, he's definitely going to beat that Tony Bracken's record. I think 12 is the team record. Yeah. So, so I mean, he's definitely he's def- he's going to kill that. That's that's gone. But um, so, yeah. And then with the Jags offense, uh, you know, of course, D.D. Westbrook will be putting up 100 yards receiving. We already know that's going to happen. But how do you think the Jaguars offense is going to fare against the Bengals? Because they have a fifth ranked defense. I mean, this isn't like just like run of the mill team. I mean, their defense is actually somewhat respected. So do you think that this will be a game that will kind of struggle? Or do you think that with Bortles and, and Fournette potentially coming back at full speed um, that that will have a pretty good game? So I think a lot of the reason why they are playing so well is their pass defense. They're ranked fourth in the league they are only allowing about 181 passing yards per game that's scary I mean like for the Jaguars because if you think about it I mean all of Blake's you know games have been sub 180 and they've been against not so great secondaries so if you're the Jaguars you're uh, the idea you want to do is run the ball against this 18th ranked run defense um and they will be able to do it I Excuse me. I, I think they'll be able to play their strengths. I think Burnett, uh, Ivory, and I think Yeldon may even get in on the act this week. So the three of them, um, they've got their very own three-headed monster, which is probably superior to the Bengals. And uh, I think they're going to ride those guys out in the red zone, have Blake throw. Uh, the Bengals are a very good red zone defense. But if, if Blake can find a way to get mobile, could be dangerous. Yeah, I um, I definitely think it'll be a good good time for you know Blake if he can if he can get out of the pocket uh, I mean and, and definitely you know still bring that run the or that run office that that's just been killing teams and um be excited to see Fournette back like you mentioned uh, bottom line you know it looks like all the stars are, are are aligning for us it's an odd week for us so no more of that even odd flipping you know for the Jags getting those wins uh forever forever teal this Sunday, you think we get a home win? I, I do. I think it's it. I think this is going to be a really close, really nerve wracking game for a lot of Jaguars fans. But I do think they end up coming out. I think I've got this as I was, I was telling somebody the other day. I've got this as like a nineteen fourteen, nineteen thirteen win. It, I don't think this game gets into the 20s. Well, I'll tell you, because this is my first season with my daughter, who just turned 11, uh, as season ticket holders, and I almost think she doesn't believe me that the team is actually good, just based on the home games we've been to this year. So for the sake of my uh, bond with my daughter, Jaguars, <laughs> it would be great if you could uh, help me rebuild that trust and get a victory at home. We would appreciate it. Um, Mike, we'll kind of wrap up with uh, one final question, just kind of like a goofy thing that one of our uh, Twitter followers had sent. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I've never heard of an all dark alley team, but uh, Jamie uh, Seatman, who's uh, with BCC, he's been on a couple times. He wants to know who is on Mike's all dark alley team, as in who would you want by your side in a dark alley from the Jaguars roster? And you can only pick three guys: uh, Jeremy Parnell, Malik Jackson. Um. Huh. That's a great question. I feel like Calais, his voice is intimidating itself, and that would be enough. I'd just take him with just him. Well, like, yeah, well, like yeah. I, see, I would put him on there, but I, you know, I, you know, he's mean on the field, but he's a teddy bear off it. So I got, I got to think. <laughs> uh, I'd probably say, dang, this is a tough question. I think, <laughs> you know what, Telvin to me would be a scrapper. So I'll go with Telvin. So I'll say I'll say the the monster 
uh, lineup of Jeremy Parnell, uh, Malik Jackson, and, and Talvin Smith. Well, good stuff. Yeah, this this is why we had you on, Mike, to ask the real tough questions. Clearly, just, you know, just really, yeah, they, these just don't get covered in, in in the media, and we we need you guys to do a better job um, at this kind of stuff. So, um, clearly, kidding. We certainly appreciate you, and we really want to just mention to everybody that uh, we've had a lot of technical difficulties, and Mike has been the nicest guy ever in being patient with us and uh, not cursing us out and hanging up so we really 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 appreciate him and his professionalism and uh, again I mean if you guys aren't already following him and again I don't see how that's even possible if you're listening to this podcast but if you're not we'll be sure to put his uh, handle in the podcast description and also check him out on Teal and Black Blitz I mean it's an awesome show we've had Mike DeRocco on uh, you know countless times Uh, two great guys really good insights and it's just different than a lot of the other stuff that's out there right now as far as uh, local and national media uh, stuff on the Jaguars. Just a completely different vibe and I think you guys, if you haven't heard it already, you'll really enjoy it and we'll definitely put a link in there for that as well. So Mike, again, we really, really thank you for coming on. I, I really had a great time. You guys are terrific. Keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Thanks, Mike. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, remember, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Google Play, all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook, and we will talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.